Thanks, everybody, for tuning into The Shore Thing here. It is March 4th. We are two weeks away from the first four of the NCAA tournament. We're also two weeks away from the start of NFL free agency. We'll take a look at, uh, at that next week. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the Mavericks' first half as they ended strong. So on Monday, we talked about like oh, the NCAA tournament and their um, reserve teams or what was fill-in teams or I don't even know what you call it. Standby. Standby teams, yeah. They're standby teams. Well, when we were done recording, Dana O'Neill from The Athletic had a big article that dropped at noon that day um, on on the protocols and everything that the NCAA is going to do for the tournament. So it it answers a lot of questions that we were asking. Uh, so we'll do a little follow-up from Monday's podcast. And then uh, we'll obviously have some SCXS picks. I have two picks this week. Um, and then finally, the last thing I have, did you see the comments about Johnny Manziel? Uh, about him becoming a golfer? Yeah. Uh, I did not see any comments. I mean, I saw him saying that, you know, give himself 12 years. All right, 12. yes. We will, yeah. we will discuss. Okay. Because I have some thoughts on this. Okay. Um, so we'll do that towards the end of the program ryan how is the uh, how's the week going going good going well uh gearing up got the first tournament this weekend for baseball so we've been in yeah we've been in full mode for that um but uh went to uh i don't know about you but uh invested in the etf of buzz that's portnoy launched today i did not invest in that i mean the whole market's down so what are you gonna do um well stocks only go up they do only go up, so you're absolutely right. That's why I'm not even sweating it. Um, rockets up. Uh, stocks only. Yeah, stocks only go up. And you know what else? Coronavirus just disappears. It does. It's gone. We've 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 beat it. Starting next Wednesday, coronavirus in Texas just it doesn't it, it doesn't exist anymore. Nope. It. I think it. I think it got knocked out by the store the snowstorm along with all of our electricity. So <laughs> and water. Yep. And water. So those things, stocks only go up. The electrical grid in Texas is a, is 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 fine, no issues. And coronavirus is just go, just goes away next Wednesday. Yep. All 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 positives uh, on the uh, on the front. I I will say I did uh, go back. I did play some golf for the first time in a month on uh, on uh, Tuesday. And I was playing with one of my buddies who's trying to go pro. And then another one who is has conditional corn fairy tour status, which conditional really means if a bunch of players drop out of the event, you'll be you'll be able to get in. Yeah, that's what um, I'm on. So pretty much so pretty much he has no status. Other than the fact that instead of paying four hundred and fifty dollars for a Monday qualifier for a PGA tour event or uh web doc or a corn fairy event, he gets to pay like a hundred. So it's a it's like that. That's the big thing. And you don't have to go through like what they call a pre-qualifier to get to the PGA Tour Monday. So that's the good thing about conditional. He played um, and they're like, hey, do you want to do like a, you, they're like, bring some cash so we could play a cash game. And I was like, I haven't played in a month. This guy in the Phoenix Monday qualifier shot like 66 and missed by like one shot. I was like, I'm not, nowhere. <laughs> I'm like, this is I'm like, I'm going to need some shots if I if. If I'm playing against against at least one of you, not the other one, and they're like, "No, we're not." The the one guy I never played golf with before. 
the other one was like, oh, no, dude, you're good. Like, you're not getting any shots from us. I was like, buddy, I am. If I'm not getting shots, I'm out of here. And uh, the first till I birdied, like, you wish you were in the game now, right? And I go, no, because no, I don't wish I was in the game. Um, but yeah, they, they tried to, I was not dealing with their, he goes, but you love to gamble. I'm like, yeah, I love to gamble when I'm, when it's fair. And me playing up against this guy that just shot 66, that ain't fair for your boy. Um, but yeah, no, it was good to get on the golf course again. Though it's the weather's been great. Um, so yeah. All right, let's get into the maths here as they finish up the first half last night, Luca is out, uh, but they still are able to win against the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder, and really what was the offense was all over the place in the NBA last night, except at the AAC. Offense just did not exist. Um, Neither team made it to 90. If you look elsewhere in the NBA, every other team scored at least 100. Um, So yeah, offense just was not there last night, which, hey, um, it is what it is, but I thought from just a game wise that I thought that was Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson's really starting to find his own. I thought that was probably his best game offensively. Yeah, he struggled from the three point line, only one of eight, but put up sixteen points. Porzingis looked pretty good. That was just a good a good team win without the star and Luca. And I mean both teams had poor shooting nights and they just had a little bit of a better shooting night than the Thunder. And they should even without the Thunder are like a sneaky good team where if they're at home and they're say getting like five points. Uh, as an underdog, like you should probably take them or look at the or sprinkle a little on the money line because they're a team that'll just play really hard and they probably won't get blown out. I know they got blown out against, I think, Denver, but that was on the second night of a back to back. Like, if they're in a spot, like they should really not get blown out and they fight really hard and they, they fought a little bit last night, but just not a high offense. A performance from either team, but I, that's a good way to, for the Mavs to go in to the break, uh, winning eight of their last eight of their last ten, and I think ten of their last thirteen. Yeah, I didn't catch any of the game last night. Uh, I did watch some highlights, um, a little bit of it when I got home. When I saw the final score, I thought they were playing the uh, the Chauncey Billups, Rashid Wallace, Ben Wallace Pistons. Uh, when I saw that final score, because that was, I mean, I, that. Teams put up that many points in the first half of games nowadays. But, uh, yeah, neither team really shot the ball well. Um, so, obviously, you know, that that was a, a big factor of it. But like you said, guys guys for the Mavs still playing well without uh, Luka, Perzingis, you know, cut, knocking down a couple shots, playing well, you know, grabbing rebounds, all the stuff that you're expecting him to do that he, you know, hasn't always been able to perform or do uh, this thus far in the season, uh, was able to get it done. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, good finish, solid finish for the Mavs. Um, it's unfortunate that they're in the West because I think they'd be like the one seed in the East right now. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. They're going to finish up the second half and hopefully that they make a little run here. Yeah, but so everyone was like worried in the middle when they were losing – when they were losing a bunch because they were losing because they didn't have um, they didn't have half the team or half their role players. And they're a team that, yeah, the stars are important. Obviously, you want Porzingis out there, but they really are a team that rely on Finney Smith, Kleber. You could throw like Hardaway Jr. And, like those guys are really a core, a core core piece of their team and they know their roles they play their roles roles well in it it enhances everybody else on uh it enhances the team and how everybody else performs on the team so with those guys out for 
practically three weeks. Like you're going to struggle without those guys out and then trusting some rookies in there who've never played in the NBA before. It was just going to be a tough spot. So like, man, is this team really good? And then Luca comes into the season, looked like he was a little bit out of shape and everything just kind of snowballed here and there. And then they finally get the guys back from the protocols. And then they, they have looked like the team that people thought that they were going to be at the beginning of the season. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about, uh, you know, the role players, you know, you call them role players because that's what they are. But like you said, they 100% complete this team and uh, everybody has their role. They play their role. Well, I'm not trying to just repeat what you're, what you're saying, but just kind of drive home the point that, you know, kind of, kind of reminiscent of the championship team where, you know, you had your, you had your stars, but you really had to rely on those role players to get their job done too, in order to make things work um, and get the ball rolling. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Now those guys are starting to play better. Jalen Brunson, we mentioned him on Monday, how well he's played. Uh, didn't have a, a fantastic game last night, but like he said, still still doing what he needs to. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. put up plenty of shots, plenty, you know, knocks enough down to uh, to make a difference. But you're 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 100 right on on how the role players really do complete this team, and it's good to be, see them to be able to get a win without the lead guy in Luca. Uh, you know, you still have Porzingis out there, but obviously much different team when Luca is out there. But it was a uh, it was good to see them, like I said, still get a victory and still be able to pull it out with uh, without the, the lead star there. Yes, and so the whole thing was when we talked at the start of the season was last year their defense was bad. But they had, if you look at the advanced metrics, like the greatest offense in the history of the NBA. So they're like, all right, we need to focus on our defense. Well, this year they start off where they can't play a lick of defense or they can't play a lick of offense and they're playing great defense. So... It was trying to find the balance from offense. How much on offense do we have to sacrifice uh, to play good defense and vice versa? And it looked like they were going down too much of the defensive side at the beginning of the first half. Even though the numbers were, were great on defense, they were like the second best defense in the league uh, for a couple stretches in there, but the offense suffered. And then when they started going on a little bit of a run, they were like their defense plummeted back down to like 20th. There was a stretch there, like a three-week stretch where their defense was like 30th in the NBA, just playing terrible defense, but they were winning because their offense was was back up to what it was last year. And I just still think they're in a little bit of an identity crisis um, to an extent of, I think Rick wants them to be more of a, more of a defensive team, so then so then they can rely um, rely on defense because you you got you know defense you got to get more stops in the playoffs and still you need a good defense to win. But then it's like you see them play and they look so much better when they're focusing more on the offense and the defense suffers a little bit. So I really think they're in a little bit of of an identity crisis of what they're of what they're really trying to do right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can see that for sure. Um, you know, with the way the league is going, you, you know, you got to be able to put up points. <clears throat> but, you know, on the other hand of that, if you can stop a team from scoring points and get it done on the offensive side yourself, you know, obviously that's a pretty good recipe for for success. Uh, if you score more points than the other team, right? That's usually uh, usually come out on top when you do that. But, uh, 
I don't know. I, I I wouldn't say that he wants them to be more of a defensive team. I think he probably just wants them to be more complete team and not have to worry about going out and scoring 130 points in order to win. Right. You know, this is probably a win that he enjoys that Carlisle likes. You score 87 points in today's NBA and you get the victory. That's huge. So I think more so than wanting to be more of a defensive team, probably just a complete team and making sure that. You know, if if they're not being able, to, if they're not able to knock down shots like they like what happened last night, uh, they can stop the ball. Or if they're not playing great defense, there or there's they are still able to to put up you know 110, 115, 120 points if if need be. Uh, so I think that's probably more so the goal than just focusing on one side of the ball. Yeah, and like right now, defensive rating they're in twenty, they're twenty fourth in defensive rating. Mm. Like that is not where they were at the beginning of the season. And you want to take a look at offensive rating, they're. Uh, they're right in 12th. So they're a little bit better than average offense. And then they're a below average defense. So it's just the swings that they've gone on is, has been, has been alarming. And then, yeah, that's a good thing that Carlisle is able to, you can adjust and mix and match in pieces, but you got to think that 24th and defensive rating is not what they were hoping for at the beginning of the season. Um, when they, when they got James Johnson, when they got Richardson, you gotta. You had to have hoped so far through the first half that they were going to improve defensively, and mm. and um, yeah, it's just it's just a. There's a lot of. There's a lot of questions, I guess, with the team because even if you go to the last ten games, they're 16th in defense, so they're right in the middle. Yeah, there's just they're a good. I think they're a good team with everybody in the in the um in the lineup and healthy and everything, but I still think they have questions that need to be asked or questions that need to be answered on mm-hmm. identity and and can someone other than Luca in a playoff game and maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. can they take over if need be? yeah like if Luca has a bad night who's going to be able to carry the well you hope Porzingis is able to carry the offense but say mm-hmm. he's got a clunker going on mm-hmm. is someone else going to be able to carry the offense like there's rumors that they're they have some interest in like JJ Redick at the deadline coming up in a couple of weeks, like is he going to be a guy that helps out? I, um, I don't really know. Yeah, it's just there's a like there's just a lot of questions with the uh, with the with the thing, but they're in the A spot in the NBA in the in the West, which means they got the new playoff thing where the eighth eight would play nine in like the play in what they did in the bubble last year, that play in series or whatever. And then the seven would play the 10. So right now they're in the playoffs, but they have to play a, they'd have to play a play in type of situation going on right now. Mm-hmm. So, and I think they'd be better than um, seventh. I think they should have be able to avoid the seventh spot with, with uh, the team that they have, because they're only a game and a half back out of that. So, We'll see where they. The West is the West is the West is definitely top heavy. Yeah, in the middle of the pack, like they they got some bad, they got some bottom feeders, but like the top nine are some pretty pretty solid teams. When the East just they got probably three really good teams, and then the middle is just very mediocre. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I mean, obviously agree there. Um, all right. We'll take a little follow-up here from this past week of take of the athletic article. 
that said what the NCA was doing. So one of the things I think we said was when, so the replacement teams, they have to test, they got to be, they have to say they're in or they're out by Tuesday, that Tuesday at uh, like 5 p.m., 6 p.m. So we were wondering when the NCAA was going to, we thought, that teams are going to be like, oh, when are they going to get there? Monday, first thing Monday. Well, part of this in the planning is that teams will already start to begin going to Indianapolis on Saturday, March 13th, before Selection Sunday. Mm-hmm. So if you're – so Gonzaga, here's an example for Gonzaga. They're – um, championship game for the West Coast Conference will be March 9th. I think that's on Tuesday. Um, so they're not going to stay in Vegas until Saturday, and they're not going to fly in- to Indianapolis, and they're going to go back to uh, Spokane, where they're at, and then stay in an off-campus hotel, which they've been staying at since February 28th, and then they're going to fly to Indy. So teams that have either already clinched a playoff spot or a, a bid, or if they're an at-large team that they think there's going to be in, they will start traveling to an Indy on Saturday, um, the 13th, or on Sunday, whenever their tournament uh, ends. So they can already get there. They can do testing. And their teams are allowed 34 people in the travel party. And they'll be split into three, uh, three buses. So this is also interesting. If you're stationed more than 350 miles from Indianapolis, you will fly. But if you are stationed inside of 350 miles from Indy, you will be bussed to uh, Indy, which is those are the NCAA uh, tournament rules. And so one of the things we also wondered is how are they going to do it if a player tests positive? The big thing is contract tracing, and they have – it seems like they have this like monitor, this like beeper where if you get within six feet of someone, when you're like traveling that it will start beeping and then you have to stay away from them because the whole thing is, is a team doesn't want to have their whole team wiped out. So what they're saying is say a player tests positive, And this is the example that a player X is sitting in row 11 next to a teammate on the charter with the player in front of him and either behind him, they're all out. But if player X is sitting like six feet apart from everyone, then no one is affected. So as long as you're six feet apart with a mask on on the team, which I assume all these teams would be following the protocols that they're supposed to, then the team's not going to get wiped out. It's when you start getting a little lenient here and, and starting to get a, get a little lazy when teams could really feel the brunt of, of it. And also one thing they said of when they travel, their travel method will be, as I said, planes or buses. Everyone will be given N95 masks. They'll also be given goggles and asked to wear the goggles during the either bus trips or the flights, which I find uh, that's definitely being extra cautious. That is definitely going above and beyond for, for cautious. Never haven't heard someone say you need to be wearing goggles, but hey, they're, they're taking every, every risk possible. Trying to avoid every risk possible. Yeah, every, every avoid. Yeah, avoid every risk possible. 
Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it sounds like they're they're actually, you know, kind of being forward thinking. So that's good on the uh, NCAA and, and these teams. Hopefully they're able to uh, to uphold all this stuff that goggles is kind of wild. I, you know, I've, I haven't heard that either. Um, you know, that uh, that protecting your eyes will will limit, you know, contact to 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 the virus or whatever. But uh we did see, uh, I believe it was Horizon. They already got taken out of their uh, conference playoff tournament. Uh, so, that, you know, we, we did get one school banged already. So, Ooh. we'll. I said uh, Horizon. Well, that's the league. Oh, it's somebody in the Horizon League. Um, shoot, I swear I saw it yesterday. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll have to search it up. Um, I'm looking here. I just saw that the games were being played, and I watched the Cleveland State triple overtime game the the last minute or so, and then the triple overtime. But I didn't see anyone got because what the Horizon League is doing too. They're spacing out when they play their next round of the conference tournament. Like their next game is until Saturday. The semis aren't until Saturday, and then the championship game like is until the next um the next Tuesday or whatever, they're really spacing it out. But I didn't see that. Maybe someone did get bounced. I just missed yeah, it. Yeah, it was um, – I'm trying to look it up, too. It was whoever was the – somebody that won and then was moving on to the next round. Obviously, they're in the second round. And uh, whoever they beat got to slide in their spot. I swear to God, I swear – I thought I saw it and read it. Uh, I'm not finding it here. So now I'm just going to look like a dum-dum. Because the teams that won, I think, were like Wisconsin-Milwaukee. They upset Wright State, who was like the two-seed. Cleveland State won, Detroit won, and then don't know who else, who was the other game that won. But that was a fantastic night if you're a Horizon League basketball fan. Because there was a triple over, there were three overtime games and a buzzer beater that settled the quarterfinals of the tournament. And then the number one seed lost. So it was a lot of, it was the march that you would uh, dream of. Um, so then we get into the testing part here. So you're wondering how much they're going to, they're going to test. Um, they also said, look, if you have five healthy players, no matter what, if you have five healthy players, you'll be able to play. So say like nine guys on your team test positive, you'll have the option to play with those six guys or 10, 10 guys test positive and you got a couple walk-ons, whatever. You can play. If you have five healthy guys, they said, um, you will have the opportunity to play there. So... We'll see if anyone gets that, but you have to pass two. You have to test negative twice before you're able to even uh, practice. So that's why the, they post, they moved it back a week. So you test twice when you arrive on either Sunday or Monday. That will be Tuesday and Wednesday, and then you'll start to practice on Thursday if you play on Friday and then Friday on Saturday, and you're not allowed to leave your room. They have a nice little thing where in Indianapolis, I guess they have all these skywalks that, that, that connect the hotels the convention center in Lucas oil. So they're bringing a ton of bat. They're, they're practicing at the convention center. They have to bring a ton of basketball courts um, in there to get the courts going on. And yeah, just a big operation. You know who really has it. And these, these guys are allowed to go. They have a little more leeway than say the officials, the officials, literally their job is. It sounds awful. They just have to sit in a room and hope they get to work a game. If not, they can't pretty much go anywhere if they want to officiate. So they are really in it because the players can at least go down to get food after their quarantine is over, and then they got to go to practice. But the officials are just stuck in the room until they're able to officiate a game. 
And then after that, they're back to the room. And it's just, it sucks. It sounds like it's going to be terrible to be an official. So they're probably going to be uh, extra testy then, huh? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they'll want to let, maybe they want the TV time for dealing what they're doing, but maybe they'll just want to let the kids have fun and play. Um, But yeah, that's a tough, tough run for the officials there. Yeah, that sucks. Um, But yeah, a lot of stuff um, going on with the tournament. It just seems, as one of the officials from the NCAA said, who's in charge of this like every year, he said it's a 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle, and we're just hoping. <laughs> he said it's a 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle with the pieces turned over while standing on a raft in a pool, <laughs> which <laughs> reading it, you're just like, holy cow, this is just an undertaking of the highest order. And it really is. If they could pull this off, it would be pretty with pretty incredible with no with no issues. They, they said they, they're... This is how we normally do it. Doesn't apply to this year, obviously, with everything. Um, but yeah, just a huge undertaking, and just I'm I'm I'll look. I'm excited. We're gonna get a tournament. Everyone was disappointed that they didn't have a we didn't have a tournament last year. But man, if they could somehow pull this off, it will be the the NCAA gets a lot of trash. But if they could pull this off, they should it should be. Commended not only the NCAA, but also, as we said last week, the players, the coaches, everybody buying into this. Everyone who played in the tournament should be um, should be commended. And the cliche, every, everyone's a winner this year if you're in the tournament. I, I really think if you played in the tournament, you, you dealt with this to play. You, you, a pat on the back to you. Thank you for letting us gamble on <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday and Monday of the first weekend of the tournament. Absolutely. That's it's the only thing we've been looking forward to for a year. Well, it's not the only thing. Well, one of the main things. Yes. One of the things we've been looking forward to since we did not uh, have it last year. Have, have any other teams caught your, your eye in college basketball as we move to uh, the end of the regular season and head into championship next week? The Baylor West Virginia game was very good this week. West Virginia is very, very good. Uh, they're going to be a problem. Illinois, I've, I shouldn't say I'm surprised Illinois beat Michigan. Surprised they just kicked their ass on uh, Tuesday night because Michigan was playing so well. You kind of could see a letdown coming. But has anything caught your eye if you've been tuning in? Yeah, I think Tech is going to be a team to be on the lookout for. I mean, I know that's not really going out on a ledge. I think they're, I mean, they're top twenty in the in the country right now. But I do think that they're a team that could make a run for the Elite Eight as well. Um, Mac McClung, he was kind of the, the viral superstar a couple of years ago. Cause he was a little white dude that was just jamming all, all over dudes. He goes to Georgetown, kind of gets forgot about comes over to tech and really kind of has been shining for them this year and been a big part of their team, big part of their offense. So they're kind of somebody that I'm keeping an eye on, uh, to at least make a, a run to the elite eight. Like I said, I know it's not really going out on the ledge because they're a top 20 team, but, uh, you know, you still got to find those, you got to find your spots, pick your spots here and there. And I think that's one that, uh, that's really jumped out at me within the last probably two weeks, three weeks. I know they've been good all year, but really more, uh, more so recently. I think I'm out on Texas. Yo, big time, big time out. They have really struggled, uh, as of late, like I, wherever they were, it's whatever the team was that was playing at the beginning of the season. And even at the beginning of big 12 conference play, it's not the same. It's not the same team. I don't know what the guards they can't shoot or something it's just they're just not playing really well right now so i'm not 
Texas, I'm a little watch. I'll say that. And then Shaka will get the hair going. They'll get the magic in the tournament and they'll go on a little run. But right now, Texas doesn't doesn't look great. And then everyone pronounced Kansas uh, dead and gone. And now they're uh, they're playing. Now they're well. back rolling right in time for the yeah. for the tournament. Yep. Well, as we know, it's all about just getting hot at the right time. You don't have to be hot the whole year. Uh, you know, that's why that Baylor loss is probably pretty good for him. Uh, I know that's kind of a cliche too, but uh, just getting hot at the right time. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah, no, but there's been some big, some good games uh, going on as we move on to championship next week. We're already getting championship week started right now with games going on in the morning. Just a, this is a hold your butt type of, it's a great time, but it's a hold on to your horse, hold your butt and pray, pray for the best type of uh, time of the year for gambling. Yeah. The volume is high. You want some action, so you do some stuff on teams you have no idea or you've seen sporadically throughout the year, and it's just a yeah, yeah. Hope for the best. You got to hope for the best. Absolutely. All right. So we were talking earlier. Johnny Manziel made some comments this week. He's really doing nothing other than playing in that. Have you watched any of that fan-controlled football thing on Twitch? Yeah, I've watched uh, both weeks actually. Okay, I watched like five minutes of the first the first week, like the end of the game. Where did is it on a main channel? You could call the how do you like get in on the voting on the calling the plays? So there, yeah. So there's a different channel that you go to to be able to vote on. So you have the main fan controlled football, and then they I forget what they call it, but it, they have a link on the on the Twitch page that you click, and it'll take you to that channel, and that's where the the plays pop up and you vote. Okay, yeah. So I must have just been watching the game yeah. channel or whatever. It was definitely interesting, but I'm I'm all in now because my favorite player in the NFL, Josh Gordon, is is in, is locked into the league. So we get yep. Johnny to Josh Gordon on a 50-yard indoor field. Uh, so that should be fun. I think they're playing this week, right? They are, yeah, yeah. He's suiting up, yeah, this week. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, – Johnny's only doing that. He really has nothing else going on in his life, I think. So he said, I looked up his gin handicap. His handicap, he's a plus point four, So he's a very good golfer. He said in 12 years, he wants to be a professional golfer within 12 years. And I don't really, like, I think people were, like, clowning him for really saying this or whatever. But he has the financial means of doing it. Even if he blew through all his money, his parents are still pretty loaded. Or they are loaded, so they can help finance them. He could get guys probably to sponsor him or whatever. And if all he does is really just practice golf and play golf, like he's got a professional athlete mindset. Like I don't really think if he wants to play one tournament in twelve years, like I don't really think that's beyond reasonable. Like Romo plays in events, so you're going to tell me the Byron Nelson is going to throw Johnny a sponsor's invite and in, say three years just to get some some pub going on if he's playing well? Like I really don't. People are like, oh, no chance. Like, I don't really see see it that way. Now, is he going to play regularly and get his card? I wouldn't. I would. Don't know. But like him playing in one event, like I don't think that's like very shocking at all. Not at all. No, I agree. Uh, in kind of the points you hit on, like he, for the most part, you know, he knows what it takes to become a professional athlete. Um, I know really all he's doing in uh, Arizona is just hitting Old Town Scottsdale and golfing. That's really all he's doing. Uh, just partying, getting hammered, <clears throat> smoking a little weed now and then. I'm not probably not a little, probably smoking a lot of weed and um, and playing golf. And like you said, he he does still have money, 
I don't know if it is his money or his parents' money, but he lives in a nice place out in Scottsdale and uh, just kind of lives it up. does pretty much what you would expect Johnny Football to do. But uh, I don't think it's it's out of the realm of possibility. Like you said, is he become a regular touring pro or whatever you want to call it? Probably not. But I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he does play a couple tournaments, um, you know, every now and then. But twelve years, I mean, that's a long time because he's what twenty eight. 29 27 i think 27 so i mean you're looking at 39 40 41 to, to turn pro i mean that's how how uh how many guys enter the tour or get on the tour at that age i mean is that common no no one no one not now no one even tries to go to get in the tour at that age yeah everyone's going in it it's so hard to be a professional golfer right now like i i don't i think the hardest sport to go pro probably is golf yeah, I'm serious. There are so many guys that are so good that have it that just need. Is it self-belief? It's it's mainly self-belief because I've seen it with two guys who followed at the I've I've I knew or knew of at the beginning. One Harry Higgs, who was when he finished at SMU, was a fine, a fine player a fine college player. I don't think he really got any college accolades, won a tournament or anything, but just a fine, you're fine D one college golfer goes on, gets into Q school, gets Latin America status, wins a tournament on a Latin America tour, then wins the money list gets on the corn Ferry tour and the corn Ferry tour. You get top 25 in the regular season for tour card or then the next 25 in the playoffs three events you get top 25 you get your card he gets his tour card and then he's on the tour and he's been on the tour for two seasons right now and he's he's been struggling a little bit as of late but then he finally got like self-belief and now he's like got that confidence that yeah i belong another guy will zalatoris who now is inside the top 50 in the world when he came out of college and when i've caddied for him a couple times just around the club was an amazing ball striker struggled with his putting. He'll be the first to admit that was, he was a Walker cup guy. So the Walker cups, the Ryder cup for amateurs, there's only eight guys that are on the team. He was on there, 12 guys on the, he was on that team. So he was one of the best dams in the country. He's playing Mondays, not making any really Mondays. Got a couple sponsors invites. Didn't make the cut. Then finally something clicked and now he's a top. He's just went on a run last year on the corn Ferry tour coming back from, uh, the the lockdown where he made like six top tens in a row on the Corn Ferry Tour, won twice, and now he's playing regularly on the PGA Tour. So it's just like the confidence clicks or something, and you get that belief, and you see that you belong and you stay. So I don't think going on 40, making the tour is like a realistic chance for Johnny, but he could play an event for sure. But that's why I think it's so hard. There's so many guys that, if they just put it together for four days or they got into a Monday and they put it together for four days in a corn fairy event or whatever, they start believing and knowing they can do it because there are probably 400, 500 guys that could probably play on the corn fairy tour or the PGA tour. And there's only 150 spots on the, in a PGA tour week. And there's probably 400, 500 guys that could do it. And that's a lot. And there's only guys getting better. The guys in college are even better. Like that's another thing. These kids are so good. It's from such a young age now because of Tiger and everything else. It's it's professional golf is so so hard. 
Yeah, and I think that's probably the uh, one of the main sports. That, like you can tell, like you know, you're 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 a guy that can, like you said, you know, maybe guys that you caddy for uh that are pretty good casual golfers you know they might they might shoot par they might shoot you know one two under three under whatever but then you go and compare that to like like a big time dude on the tour like it's it's a huge jump from being like a good golfer to being like on the tour i think it's one of the one of the bigger uh jumps in sports that uh that you know there, there's a huge gap from a guy that's you know might, might be a, a good casual player versus a professional yeah, just like the like what happened on Tuesday when the guy was the guy missed a PJ Tour event by one shot and it was like, oh, let's play a money game straight up. I'd say I'm a pretty good regular guy. I played in a couple amateur tournaments or whatever. There are guys still better than me, but like I think I fall into that. It's just he did have a rough day. I think if we played a money game, I think I might have won some money off of him just because I made two birdies and he didn't. But like yeah, he's clearly better than I am, and this the the gap. Did we talk about this before? That the gap, like the largest gap from pro sports, is probably golf. We think, or was that somewhere else? I was listening to. Uh, yeah, I think I I think I know where you're listening to it, and because we didn't talk about it, but I'm pretty sure I was listening to the same thing. It was like Max Homa said it, right? Or yeah, something? yeah. Okay, yep, that's what yep. I thought. Um, but yeah, no, he's right that the biggest gap is golf. Like, because you you got your look a guy. Going back to our conversation on Monday with with the rec league guy, look, is he going to average ten points a game? No, but he could probably go to the hoop and get fouled where he could score a couple points in a game. Mm-hmm. He's gonna he's gonna come down with a couple rebounds probably if he's under. Yeah, the he's gonna get some it? rebounds. You know, he might get lucky with a steal here or there, mm-hmm. something like that. You know, he makes a good pass, um, uh, gets an assist. Like he'll be able to get a couple in the stat sheet. Yeah. By just being around. There's no being around in golf in the statute. Right. Um, look, baseball. Like, here's another thing, though. Baseball, though. Baseball is a huge jump. A huge dump. But you could be the guy. There are guys. Look, you could be the guy that say you got some wheels. You could hit like Billy Hamilton 192 and then still find your way. I know he's an outlier mm-hmm. of how fast he is. But there are guys that bat around 200, 220 just could just be. You could, if you're a good enough defender, you could find your way around to be a defensive replacement. Yeah. So, but it's still a big, a big. But, but what did you kind of say? Being a defensive replacement is the same guy that's, you know, missing the cut, you know, week in, week out, or the same guy that's coming in 40th place week in and week out, or, you know, finishing last place week in and week out. I mean, is that, but still, I think the gap between defensive replacement and guy that does that is still pretty, is like exponent is like, exponentially greater mm-hmm. um yeah but no that's probably a a good comparison mm-hmm. um i mean we and we've seen guys in the nfl co- literally come off the streets and, and perform well right so i mean i, I think that's still you know you if you're st- you're still gonna be a freak athlete if you're playing in the nfl but like, like you couldn't walk on to the tour and play in a play a week and expect to make the cut. You know what I mean? No, no, you cannot. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the Johnny thing. I, I don't think it didn't rile as many people up because I don't think a lot of people believe him. I think he'll like. That's another. Well, what I was. Yeah. Here's what I was gonna say too. Like, is he? Johnny's not known. Going back to his A and M days, as one that enjoyed practicing, 
And if you thought football practice was bad, I don't see Johnny being out on the range beating balls for three hours. Yeah. Say getting up at eight in the morning during the Texas summer or Arizona summer, or whatever, beating balls for three hours, working on putting for a couple more. I don't see, I don't see him the type of guy to wear out the range or the putting green. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would agree. And that's, and that's what it's going to come down to. If, if he wants to get his tour card, which he said, he's going to try in 12 years. Like part of me feels like I wouldn't be surprised if he's the guy that's like, Oh, this is year 10. I said 12. I said I got 12 years. Now I'm going to like last minute cram for the test and see if I could do it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it didn't, it doesn't rile him as many people up as the old, uh, whenever Romo gets going on in the golf, he just gets everybody. He just gets everybody riled up. I don't know why. I yeah. guess. Cause I mean, everyone, I think cause he's one of those where, you know, Everyone th- talks about, oh, he could he could be on the tour if he wanted to. And then when he gets out there, it's very much so not the case. That is, yeah. I mean, he's also a very, very good golfer. Yeah. But, the, again, that shows the difference between tour guy and really, really good amateur. Yeah. Which, uh, which And I think a lot of that stuff, too, on the tour, I think the crowd plays a big effect on it you know what i mean like when you're out there playing it's you and your buddies or you maybe you and uh a couple friends maybe a random guy that got smashed into your group or whatever there's not you know a couple hundred people watching you as you're as you're hitting so it's it's a lot different uh you know it's so i think that i think that that plays a huge role in guys being able to stay locked in stay focused for uh you know four full days and trying to play your best golf yeah no i would agree i would agree with that all right so FCS picks last week. I went one on one. Ryan makes his debut in the FCS this week. Last week we said there's what underdogs. I think went sixteen and four, mm-hmm. and like nine went outright. What do you uh, What do you got this week? How many? I only have two games. I have eight. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> wow, jumping into the deep end head first. All right, you lead them off. All right, so I got North Dakota laying seven against South Dakota. I like uh, Albany just laying one and a half against New Hampshire. I got Delaware laying two and a half against Maine. I like Youngstown State plus seven against Southern Illinois. I like Jackson State getting ten and a half against Grambling. I don't think Jackson State wins outright, but Grambling's like the, the head of the pack when it comes to the swack. Um, but I think Jackson State, the new look offense, you know, Dion, the whole thing. Uh, I think they, they're able to cover that 10 and a half. They may win out, right? I, I'd, I'd keep an eye on that. Um, I got Richmond minus three and a half. Hopefully both basketball and football can treat me well at Richmond this week. Um, James Madison, I'm going back to the well where you finished off. They didn't do it for you last week. Maybe they'll do it this week. Laying 21 and a half against Elon Musk. And then Eastern Washington minus 14 and a half. NAU, Northern Arizona stinks. Like stinks. They they are terrible. They they were they recruit guys from where like where I went to high school and we didn't make the state playoffs like once my entire time I was there. So that's the kind of dudes they get. So I think Eastern Washington blows the doors off Northern Arizona uh, minus fourteen and a half. Um. All right. We have two of the same picks. My two picks are in your card. Okay. I have uh, Eastern Washington minus fourteen and a half. And then I have Richmond minus three and a half. Love it. I thought about going Elon. Uh, see, I think there's something about a team we've seen in a college basketball 
Like, if you're going on the road laying 17, I don't like that. I don't like laying that on the road. At home, I'd be more inclined to. But if it's on the road laying that, I think I'm out on that after – I know college basketball and football are a little different, but I think we might just see some chaos like that. The home team, well, we'll we'll see, but I think the home home underdogs might be a good a good play uh, in college in FCS this year. I that's why I couldn't take JMU this week. I just seventeen on the road for me was a little a little too much. I did think Delaware's playing Maine, right? Yep. That was the other. That was like the one other game that I. You know, Joe Flacco, elite quarterback, went there, so they got to be pretty good. Exactly. Um, so that's what I was uh, – that was the only other game I thought about uh, I thought about taking. Right on. Um, let's ride. Uh, huh? I said let's ride. Yes, let's ride. All right, I have one TV thing, unless you have something else before we get to that. Uh, nope. All right. So I know I talked about this probably like three months ago. Haven't really brought it up. But the real housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> have you seen any of this? Does I haven't yet. It? She doesn't. She hasn't gotten into that one. Let me tell you. <clears throat> unbelievable first season. Un, it was this. It was filmed before the pandemic. But an unbelievable season from 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 the ladies in Salt Lake City. Like I. Mm-hmm. There's this woman, Jen Shaw. She will start drama out of nothing. And she has some anger issues or there's a, there's a lot going on in her life that, that her outbreaks, uh-huh. I think is the right word. Lead outbursts. to, huh? Outbursts out. Yeah. Outbursts, but just like lashing out at these friends. I mean, it is, if you, if you're under the, if you're into the trash, Add this one to the list. It was there's you know how good it was. There's a three part reunion short. The reunion was three hours. They had so much stuff in there. Damn, three weeks. It she's, I mean she's she's one to just call someone out, get in an argument. I mean it is, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, see, I'm a uh, you know I'm there are a couple of the housewife shows that Jamie watches that I'll watch with her. But a lot of that is just – I mean I, I like the original reality TV trash. Like I think we grew up with the best reality TV back in the day, um, whereas now it's a little more manufactured. Uh, so, you know, I, but I, shoot, I still, I still love some good old-fashioned uh, just trash TV. This is your good old-fashioned. This is the trash. If you want – like you want real-life drama or whatever, I don't know. They, they bring it here. Okay, maybe yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, you gotta you gotta check it out. It's some of the stuff is like a little cringe, like oh god, I don't really want to watch. I really thought it picked up the second half of the season because that's where all the good stuff really happened, and it was jaw on the floor. This woman is crazy, and everything kind of the whole show kind of revolves around Jen because they're smart. She brings the drama. Her husband's also like the running backs coach for the University of Utah. So he makes some cameos in there. Dude's never home. Like, I don't, there's no way that college football coaches can be working as much as this guy. Like, I know they work a lot and they're on the recruiting trail a lot, or they were before they couldn't and it went into a dead period. But this man was never at home. I don't know what he was doing, but uh, he, 
you want to talk about football or family. Football was like 1A, and the, the family was obviously important to him, but holy cow, time spent with his family. He, this, is a, this is a football guy. Football guy, I want my time in the office breaking down film. I'll watch the film five times, whatever. He was always, always doing football stuff. A football guy. I can't remember his name. His, his last name Shaw. I don't remember what his. Brian? Uh, huh? Brian? It was not. It was. It was. Uh, it was not. No, it's Shaw. S-H-A-H. Ah. Uh. They spell his last name. Or that's her last name. I don't know if she took his last name. Yeah. No, Coach Shaw. It's not Shaw like Brian Shaw. Coach Shaw. S-H-A-H. Um. Just an amazing piece of television. Then Andy Andy Cohen does the reunion, and he just tees everybody up. He's Andy Cohen's turning into like a media mogul. Andy, the- I mean, he's so likable, very likable. You know, he's not he's not just like a talking head. Like you know, a lot of these guys just just become robots. Like Jimmy Kimmel is like unwatchable. Jimmy Fallon's unwatchable. Anderson Cooper, when he's with Andy Cohen, they're electric on the New Year's show. But amazing. Andy Cohen- he, Andy Cohen's just, he's like funny. Like he's just, he's still kind of just real. Like you can tell his personality on TV is probably what he's most likely what he's like off camera too. You know what I mean? So that's why he's, uh, I think that's why he's blowing up because of, of his realness. Well, I also think like, well, Anderson Cooper also is like newsman. Yeah. Like he can't, when you see him on new year's, I feel like if you were hanging out with Anderson, that's probably how he would be. Mm-hmm. He can't, he can't be the lead CNN given the primetime news at what seven o'clock yeah. and giggling the whole time. Like <laughs> that, like you can, you, you, he, he will have a giggle outburst sometimes, you know? yeah. but he can't, that's not who he is when he's the newsman. Like yeah. you, you can't do that. You, you, I'm sorry. You just, he wouldn't have any credibility. I don't People mm. would like it, I think, but he just can't be that. I feel like, when he's with Andy Cohen or when he was with... Did you ever watch it when he was with Kathy Griffin? No, I can't stand her. Dave, she... Uh, you want to know, she would put him in uncomfortable positions and it would be absolutely hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like that too. Anderson is off of... Uh, off the news. Offset is, is what he is on New Year's Eve. But that New Year's is very funny. Yep. Um. All right, well... That will wrap it up here for this week. We'll be back on Monday taking a look at what uh, went on in the old world of the sports. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back on Monday.